another episode of Mac and D. How you doing, Jimmy D? I'm doing pretty well, my friend. I got, uh, as I was telling you right before the pod, roughly 12 hours of sleep last night. So I'm feeling a pretty solid today, ready to talk about what was actually a very exciting day of games. Yeah, yeah, the bags under your eyes are gone. You look 10 years younger. Everything's working out for you. T- tell the listeners about your weekend. It sounded pretty interesting with the duck hunting. Right. So um, Jordan, my fiance, she always helps me and the family get our, our duck hole ready. Uh, so she's like, hey, why do I never get to go hunting? And I was like, well, I didn't realize you wanted to. So she she came along with me. We wake up at two in the morning to drive to Western Illinois, get everything set up, hunt until like 11, um, go, go meet a friend for lunch, get back at about four or five. And I, obviously at that point, I've been just after it for way too long. I take what I thought was going to be a nap and I end up being asleep until about excuse me, until about 5.30 in the morning. So I just, yeah, it was like as soon as it got dark outside, I, I guess it's like the only time you can say thank you to Daylight Savings, but my body was like, all right, it's nighttime, we're done. And, and I was out, so yeah, it, it was best, a good day. Yeah, best sleep of your life right there. <laughs> Gotta love those four-hour naps and you wake up in a cold sweat and you're like, is it Monday morning? Am I late for work? <laughs> Gotta love that feeling. I didn't do a whole, whole lot this weekend. I went to the Natural Sciences Museum here in Houston, which is really, really cool. Um, they have a lot of dinosaurs and just, you know, your classic museum stuff. It's honestly one of my favorite museums I've ever been to outside of like DC. So that was a really good time. And just other than that, just been eating and drinking and having a good time. So, uh, but today, a lot of good football was going down, a lot of fun games. And honestly, I think we had the game of the year that went down this uh, earlier today between the Minnesota Vikings or the Minnesota Vikings because they got the W. Uh, and the Buffalo Bills. So this is a back and forth affair. The Bills went up early and then the Minnesota Vikings ended up pulling it out at the very last second, for, uh, forced overtime, and then ended up winning it on a game winning kick. So what did you think of the game today? And what did you think of Josh Allen's performance post injury? Yeah, the the big thing, I, I think, like watching that game, I want to see the chart where it shows like the, the ESPN estimated win percentage. Because I feel like, it was pretty normal until about the last five minutes. It had to be just a nonstop, like back and forth flip, but like of a hundred percent between the two different teams there. A really exciting game. I was pulling my hair out at some of the decisions the Vikings were making, but um, I, I would say you probably very happily saw the, the interception to end it. And that kind of like made up for some boneheaded moves by the Vikings. Like, they, they gave the Bills way too much time at the end there. Like, you're on, or, you know, you're, you're first in goal from, like, the four. Uh, you, you can take your time. You know, you don't have to rush up. Like, they were, like, rushing to the line of scrimmage. So, it's like, guys, you want to score with no time left. Like, I have no idea what they're thinking. But they end up not getting it. So, it's like, shoot, maybe they do need this time, right? Then there's a botched snap, and it's like, how does that even happen? But, you know, I mean, like, it was just insane. So you, you go from 100% win for the Bills to, like, oh, it's got to be 100% win for the Vikings. But, no, because they still had 40 seconds left. Then the Vikings are in what can only be described as some of the worst prevent defense I've ever seen. Like, I, I think every single player was 15 yards off the ball, right? So the Bills just casually walked down the field. They, they even almost had a couple shots at the end zone there. It's like, what are the Vikings doing? Get to overtime. They make some crazy plays that – that catch by Justin Jefferson to get it to the two yard line was huge. All right. Now you're at the two to me. That's like, okay, we're going to take 
at least two runs with Delvin Cook first because he's been killing it all day, right? I mean, like every time he touches the ball, he's he's getting positive yardage. Nope, Kirk gets stepped on, they lose five yards, they try to do some pass play, lose another fifteen yards, and it's just like what like I have no idea what they were doing. Some of their decision making was insane, but uh, they they pulled it out some way somehow. Yeah, the clock management and regulation was very, very, as you said, made you want to pull your hair out. Uh, whenever they were getting it downfield, Justin Jefferson was like almost too good at just like getting them too many yards at um, with too much time on the clock, which we all know you can't do with Josh Allen. Like he'll do what they did in their playoff game against the Chiefs last year. And Justin Jefferson had the easily the best catch of the season, at least in my opinion. Um, some were comparing it to Odell Beckham Jr.'s catch. I wouldn't say it was on Odell's level because Odell's was just so acrobatic. The all the way extension way behind his back. That was just an insane catch by Odell. This Justin Jefferson one was really cool, mainly because the defender was right there. He basically just like snatched it out of the hands of the defender. So that was a sick catch. They get it all the way down to the one yard line because once again, Justin Jefferson's just so freaking good with like 40 seconds left. And same thing. I, I thought it was going to be a few Dalvin Cook runs and they just keep passing it. Not too much time is getting off the clock. And then the Kirk Cousins thing up the gut was just like, that, that was a poor decision. And I, I looked over at my roommate, Tommy, who we've had on the pod. And I was like, "There's th- this is interesting. Like, you can't take a knee at this point. You have to run the ball. You have to do something. And they're going to be right on the goal line. And Minnesota looked very ready in that situation. And yeah, Josh Allen, he, he legitimately just dropped the ball. He, he dropped the ball in the end zone. I, I thought it was going to be a safety. And I was like, this could be interesting. 30 seconds left, no timeouts. But no, that Minnesota ended up recovering it, and then they were able to force the OT. I, I could not also not believe that defense that Minnesota did at the end there. They were literally like waltzing them down the field, giving up the sideline. Like they they did nothing right in terms of like a prevent defense. And I was like, why is your line on the end zone? Like you're you're trying to stop the touch, uh, stop the field goal here. And like they had nobody around like the field goal range, and then they had that pass interference at the very end too. I was like, you're at, they're at the five yard line now. Like Buffalo could go for the win right now, which thirty seconds ago seemed impossible so very very questionable decisions but like the bad is what makes these games fun so i i really enjoyed it and minnesota ended up sneaking it out despite some questionable decisions there, there's gonna be an insane amount of armchair quarterbacking on this game i mean heck we're already going after it and it's only three hours after that game <laughs> but i mean yeah i think you could just dissect every single decision and for half of them you just be like wow what a great call and the other half has to be just like what the fuck were they thinking like i mean it was it's just so night and day like every choice in that game. Um, I, I think Justin Jefferson's performance, it, it did just like, it just overshadowed everything that happened. Right. So Stefan Diggs had an awesome game. He had an incredible one handed catch that no one's going to think about because of Justin Jefferson's catch. Dalvin cook had put up, a, I mean, 120 yards and a touchdown, a couple of big catches. He, he could have been the hero, but he dropped a, a dropped a ball that was like after an offsides penalty. And I, I text you, I was just like, come on, Dalvin. Like, that could have been it. You know what I mean? Like, he would have just fallen backwards in the end zone. He, he turned around too soon. Um, uh, Kirk Cousins played a pretty poor game. I mean, he had some bad, like, bad turnovers, right? But you're not thinking about that because Justin Jefferson covered up for him. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen had kind of a bad game, and, and you're not really thinking about it because you're just thinking, like, wow, this – the result of that game was awesome. Uh, Patrick Peterson, huge, huge interceptions, both of them in the end zone. Like, there's just so many people you could talk about. Truly, just a, a team win for the Vikings, and yeah. really the big confidence booster because all we've talked about this whole season is like, it's between the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Eagles, and this is that statement win for the Vikings to say, no, 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 we like we're trying to win the Super Bowl too. Like, don't don't be counting us out here. 
Yeah, I saw a thing. The Vikings fans are very used to it at this point. I think like every single one of their wins this season has been by one score. So you're down to the wire every single game, regardless of the week. So um, I'm interested in two things. One, is there a quarterback controversy in Buffalo right now? Is it time for Case Keenum? I feel like there is. There's three turnovers today by Josh Allen. Uh, one in the you're, end zone. You're being disingenuous. Game, please, so. please stop. You Call me crazy. That. I don't it, it, it's possible. Anyway, and then the the real one though is like. Justin Jefferson, he's the best wide receiver in the NFL since who? Like, who, who do you think was the last wide receiver that was as good as Justin Jefferson? Was it like early career Julio or was it Michael Thomas a few years ago? What do you think with that? Just going Well, back the, his stat line, which was incredible, is he's the first player in his first three seasons to have 20 100-yard games, and he still has half of his third season to go. <laughs> so his company was like, Randy Moss and I cannot Jerry remember. Jerry Rice or something. I, 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 yeah, I feel so bad to not remember who the second receiver is, but I, you, you almost have to put him on like the young trajectory of Randy Moss with like less diva status because you really just haven't heard bad things about him coming out of out of camp. So hopefully it stays that way and he can just keep thriving because he's making Kirk Cousins look elite. And it, it's not Kirk. You and I were watching that game. We're like, <laughs> Jefferson is covering up for this dude. Yeah. Wait, I was talking to you about it. I was like, Justin Jefferson is going to the ball. Kirk Cousins isn't getting him the ball, which like, yeah, there's a little bit of that give and take, but God, like Justin Jefferson is oh, the yeah. one who is starting. The announcers would be like, oh, what a back shoulder throw. And it's like, that ball just didn't get to, to Justin. And he was able to like somehow dive backwards for it and just do all sorts of goofy shit to make sure the catch got secured. Yeah, and it's crazy how much of this offense Justin Jefferson has become. Like, Dalvin Cook is still doing what he needs to do, but, like, all the other receivers and, like, TJ Hawkinson, like, they're not doing that much. It's all Jefferson. He had 16 targets today, so he is the engine of this offense. Uh, My answer to my question, not that you asked, but I think that he's the best receiver we've seen since Megatron, for sure. Like, I don't think there's anyone who put so much fear in the uh, in the opposing defense than Justin Jefferson. And, like, I love Tyreek Hill. I think he is a fantastic player, and I think he deserves a little bit more credit than he currently gets. But, like, Justin Jefferson is just that perfect blend of speed and height, which clearly Tyreek Hill doesn't have. Getting to the catch point, just having that pure leaping ability. Like, Tyreek Hill will run circles around your defense, but Justin Jefferson will just go over the top of them and dominate them. And everybody knows where that ball is going on every single play, which Tyreek, you know, if he's covered up, there's just, like, no chance. So I think Justin Jefferson's best receiver we've seen since Megatron, whenever Megatron was, like, fully healthy in those early Detroit years. So, so here's here's the next question. I, I mean, honestly, I feel like we could talk about this game all day. So if, if we start talking too much, I, I feel like we could even cut news short to just keep talking about this game. It's like... <laughs> Is Justin Jefferson your your way too early number one overall pick next year? Dude, I think he has to be, which is wild to say because like I'll say with the with the asterisk of, of full PPR leagues, right? But like if you're in a full yeah. PPR league, I, I you have to at least consider it. Yeah, let me look at the total fancy points. So yeah, right now in terms of total fancy points, and just to be clear to the listeners, we are recording on Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday Sunday afternoon, a little bit before the Sunday afternoon games end. Um, right now, the leading scorer in terms of total fantasy points is Tyree Kill with 207. And this is with full PPR, um, to be clear. And then uh, in terms of fantasy points per game, it's just slightly Austin Eckler 
Like, I don't think anyone's. Yeah, but Eckler has like an insane number of touchdowns. Like you cannot expect two touchdowns a game for your entire season. I think I think he'll come yeah. back down to earth here. Yeah, Eckler's already at, yeah Eckler's already at ten touchdowns. So like that's not overly sustainable. So yeah, honestly, I think wide receiver is definitely going to be into first overall pick, and it's probably going to be like Cooper. Well, Cooper I, I just I feel like we're we're going to see the switch next year. It, it's going to be it has always been load up on RBs, and I think you and I could even do an analysis on this of like positionally is it more important to get the stud receiver like do they perform better as the stud rb and it's like okay your stud receivers of cup jefferson jamar got injured so you, you almost have to write him out but stefan diggs tyreek hill like they're balling out and you know jt not so great he's he's finally kind of turning around today uh, mccaffrey's having a good season but i'd still rather have justin jefferson yeah um it, it, it's, it's gonna be different I, I can see people really constructing zero wide receiver or zero RB type rosters, not out of necessity, but like out of like a true desire to just go get who are truly the studs of the NFL at this point. Yeah. Like Tyree kill this season already has 1100 yards and 100 targets. Like he only has three touchdowns, which is like really, really bad touchdown luck. If that flips a little bit, he's like the most dominant fantasy player we've had in a while. So he's already on pace to surpass Cooper cup season last year. And I think anybody clearly would have wanted Cooper cup first overall last year. So I also think we'll see a changing of the guard just because these wide receivers are so insane and they're just way more predictable than running backs in a given week. So uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that ends second, up. Second question for you, because we're already on the way to early draft guide, if you will. Where do you take Travis Kelsey next year? Because my, uh, my buddy's been trying to talk about this all the time. It's like, he's the only reliable tight end currently in all of fantasy. My my team that's doing the best is my team that has Travis Kelsey on it. Like, at what point? Or, or is it like, you go, okay, if I can't get Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, Tyree Kill next year, then it's like, screw it number five overall picks Travis Kelsey just so I can trust that I'm actually getting points out of the tight end position yeah it's hard right because like Travis Kelsey's already getting a little bit old he's 33 years old it's honestly pretty unprecedented level of production so kind of like Tony Gonzalez in a lot of ways but like the man isn't bad he has had at least 10 points double digit points in every single game this season and that's not even out of a first round pick, right? Like he was probably like a or like a mid second round or a third round pick for you, and he's like killing it this badly. But he's putting I, up top ten wide receiver numbers. Yeah, that's out, out of the out of the tight end position. Out of all positions, everybody, um, or I guess flex. I'm saying, but you get put him right? in your tight end slot. Yeah, and out of all flexes, he's top ten in points this year. So like even like the guys that like we have a little bit more like focus on, Derrick Henry, Justin Jefferson, etc. He's beating even them this year. So I think that Kelsey also should be like a top 10 pick next year. I worry about it because like I never draft Kelsey. Just like it's just never been a thing for me. I'm like, oh, he's going to fall off. Oh, this is going to be the year. And it just never fucking happens. So maybe I just need to go ahead and do it and pony up and actually put up the draft capital for Kelsey next year. We'll see. Um, All right, we can move on to more news now. Yeah, yeah, dude, that game is just so good. You had to put a, a little bit of time into it. Uh, the next piece of news that was interesting, Matt Ryan got the start today for the Indianapolis Colts. There's a little bit of a rumor that that was going to happen post the changing of the coaches. Um, what is really interesting for me about this is Jim Ursay, their owner, the guy who fired Frank Reich, was also, interestingly, the person who forced Frank Reich to bench Matt Ryan in the first place and start Sam Ellinger. So it's kind of weird that he would be like, hey, Frank Reich, start Matt Ryan, and then uh, fire Frank Reich for doing basically what he said to do, and then just completely change and be like, hey, you know, Chef Saturday, if you feel like starting Matt Ryan, you can. It's like, 
what are you doing here? So it feels like Indianapolis in a lot of ways is kind of a dumpster fire. And if I was a Colts fan right now, I would not want Ursa right, as my well, Give me one second here, though. I'm looking up their score right now. Yeah, they have the ball. I, I think they're going to win this game. There's only 20 seconds left. Like, Josh McDaniels has to get fired, right? I mean, you can't yeah. lose to the Jeff Saturday-led Colts and keep your job. Yeah, on one week of preparation, like of him being in the building, that's hilarious. Like, you, like Saturday had to have come in and been like, "All right, Matt Ryan, teach me the playbook." Because I don't need, I don't know what you guys are doing. Like, let's figure it out. Yeah, and like he's a football guy, so like he'll be able to figure out like that kind of stuff. But like they were like struggling to get someone to do play calling duties. Um, there's a thing that came out today that their quarterbacks coach was the first choice, and he was like, "I want to raise in order to uh, do the play calling duties," and like he just completely spurred their offer. So. Yeah, the, the Colts are just a bit of a dumpster fire, but hey, they got the W. And yeah, it's probably going to be this week, I would guess, for McDaniels. Like, you can't keep losing games like this. The Jeff wow. Saturday reign has begun. It's a new Colts <laughs> dynasty. Long live. Do you think they'll sign him after the season, like long term? If they make the playoffs, yes. Um, I mean, I, I, it, I, you have to assume, though, right? The whole thing was like, hey, Jeff, come in, like, Let's get a good draft pick. We shake your hand. We move on. You know what I mean? Kumbaya, but I mean, shoot, yeah. if, if he wins and these guys are playing hard, it's like, screw it. Coach Saturday, here's the whistle. Let's do it. Yeah. And honestly, Matt Ryan played well today. He finished 21 of 28 for 222 yards, a touchdown, no turnovers, which is kind of like the that's big, big thing. That's like said. his thing. Yeah. That's yeah. what's been hosing him. Like, he probably would have broken like the fumbles record in a single season if he would have got the starts the last few weeks. But he's probably off that pace at this point. So uh, a clean bill for him and honestly pretty insane that this could end up being a playoff team. Like the AFC South is just so bad that the Colts could end up sneaking in. They're now up to four five and one. And the Titans got the win this week as well, though. So I guess I could kind of hurt them a little bit, though. Wow. What a week. <laughs> Anything could happen. Um, some other interesting things going on this week. Kadarius Tony got his first touchdown. This isn't like overly newsworthy, but th- I didn't realize this was his first NFL touchdown that he had today. Uh, he went off for the Chiefs today. He cracked over 100 yards as well. So he really ended up making that trade look really good for the Kansas City Chiefs. And if he can continue this, he could be a really dangerous piece for them. Um, did you get to catch any of his action today or any of the highlights? No, it wasn't my game. I, I was watching mostly the Bills Vikings and then I caught some of the, the Packers uh, Cowboys game. Yeah, dude, the network state, uh, this is back to that Vikings game. The The game went into overtime, and then Fox was just like, fuck it. We're not going to be playing this game, of the, basically the game of the year, anymore. They just like went over to that Cowboys-Packers coverage. Oh, did they? they didn't do that to me. I, I, mean, oh, I, was, streaming it, I was streaming it online, but through Fox. Like I, it, I figured that would just followed whatever TV was doing. Oh, no, TV. I, I was talking to some friends, too. The exact same thing happened to them all over the country. It was uh, the Minnesota game until the overtime. And then usually with games like this, they just continue into overtime. Yeah, like, fuck the other game. We'll get to that. Or they'll they'll put it on Fox Sports 1 or ESPN 2 or whatever they need to do. But no, this game, they're like, nope, we're going to the game of the week. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you're not even going to flip over and give us updates or like a split screen or something? So that's an aside. I was mad at Fox. I was like, y'all don't deserve rights. Um, but... Yeah, this Tony touchdown was insane. It was around the sideline. He was uh, faking a hamstring injury as he was running into the end zone. It was hilarious. But there, some of his other catches were also insane. Uh, the dude looks like the most untackable player in all of the NFL right now. Like People can't even get his hands on them to be able to take him down. So I'm really excited to see what Tony can end up doing. Like He's literally like a Tyreek Hill clone in a lot of ways. So getting him for a third-round pick, looking like a bit of a heist for the Kansas City Chiefs right now. 
yeah, I mean, I, I, there's nothing. I didn't get to see him, but obviously, it, if it goes the way they intend it to go, it's it's going to be like everyone's going to go, "How did they get this guy?" And it's like, well, because no one offered a second for Tony. Yeah, pretty much, and it's kind of insane that the coaching staff in New York wasn't able to get more out of him, but it seemed like they were just butting heads, like even off the field and such. So maybe like a good win-win for both teams. So we'll see. There's, there's a lot to be seen for that trade. Um, a lot of injuries today as well, uh, especially in that Kansas City Chiefs game. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had one of the scariest injuries of the season. Looked a lot like Tua's injury a few weeks ago where his hands just kind of like started moving uncontrollably and they were up in the air. So a really scary concussion for him. It looks like he'll at least be out a week or two with that concussion. Uh, Jerry Judy went down with an ankle injury, which is really big for him. And for that Broncos offense, they dropped another game today and Russell Wilson looked anemic once again. And then uh, Zach Ertz went out with a knee injury, which isn't good because they have that backup quarterback in Colt McCoy, and he loves him a tight end. So one less weapon for the Cardinals. Hopefully that one's nothing too serious. So um, some crazy injuries, but nothing too, too insane. Nothing season ending yet that we know of. Uh, on the college football side, uh, Illinois. Sorry sorry to, sorry to bring it up, Judy. But uh, Illinois dropped their game this week against Purdue. Tough, tough L. And then the, the Pac-12. Yeah, the Pac Similarly, just beating up on each other. UCLA lost to Arizona unexpectedly. Washington upset Oregon. So all these games just going down that is just knocking out the Pac-12 out of the playoff race. Uh, ESPN does their little thing where it's like projected chance in order to make the college football playoff. And there wasn't even a a Pac-12 team in the top 10 outside of USC. So uh, a lot of interesting shakeups there. LSU got all the way up to number six now. In terms of the AP rankings, we haven't had the official rankings yet. And then Alabama is moving up as well because of Ole Miss. So Ty, they're going to um, find a way to sneak out Alabama in there. They, they always have to, just for those sweet, sweet TV ratings. So um, it, it's funny to me, too, that all the orange teams that we were lauding a few weeks ago, they've been dropping like flies. Clemson had their first loss last week. Syracuse lost again. Illinois is falling off. Oklahoma State has been struggling in all their games. So we thought it was the year of the orange for a bit, but that really fell off as a little bit for us. So um, college football has been interesting, and it'll be really, really curious to see who ends up making those four slots. I don't we're, think there's we're really going to we're going to get to the playoffs, and it's going to be no one's going to agree with it per usual, and I, and I think they're going to have to accelerate moving to like an eight or twelve team playoff. Or they, they've proposed an expanded playoff, right? Like a, a sixteen team or something like that. They accepted a 12 team for 2024, okay. but they need to accelerate year, that. Yeah. The, the, the reasoning behind why it's all getting held up is the stupidest I've ever seen. The reason that they don't want to expand it too quickly is they don't know how the Rose Bowl is going to fit into it. So they're negotiating with the Rose Bowl and they have like a giant committee all from Southern California. And they're like, this is how we want to fit it in. And then the Rose Bowl comes back with their negotiation. And it's just a whole fucking mess. And it's like, why are we doing all this for a parade? But the only people that care about the Rose Bowl are over 90 years old. So at some point, we just need to accept this is the future of college football. The granddaddy of them all. It's very important, apparently. Just a freaking flower, but whatever. A lot of big winners and losers this week in terms of fantasy football. Quarterback was a very impressive position this week, specifically for one man once again. Justin Fields is looking like the guy. Uh, I don't know if you saw his touchdown run that he had on my Detroit 67-yarder? Yeah, he had a couple that were just incredibly impressive. He's looking like Usain Bolt out there. He's so freaking fast. I mean, I he's he's looking like Mahomes, or not Mahomes. Sorry, he's looking like Lamar though. 
Yeah. I mean, just, I cannot like, believe it took them a year, a literal year and a half to unlock him. Like anybody with eyes could have told you that Justin Fields was this type of quarterback where you have to get him out in space. And it took Chicago so freaking long to unlock him. And what's also wild too, even with Justin Fields, their quarterback, the most important position in football going off like this, they've been 0-3 the last three weeks. How is that even possible? So Chicago needs to fix their shit up. <laughs> yeah. They, they really could have lost the Patriots. I would have appreciated that. Yeah, would have been nice for you. But yeah, they dropped a, I think it's three and six now with their loss by one point to the Lions. But Justin Fields had 39 points. Patrick Mahomes had 31 points today. And Tua, another great performance for him. He had 23 points just getting the ball to Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. So what, what stood out to you here? I mean, Fields is just proving that he, to your point, is that dude. I mean, the 180 that he pulled on this season and on his career is just impressive. So, you know, kudos to him for not, for not giving up. I mean, obviously he's an athlete, he wouldn't give up, but to just like to have that, that level of confidence, just be like, no, nah, once, once I get my chance to prove it here, I'm going to prove it. So kudos there. It'll be interesting to see as he keeps doing this, do, do teams find out how to slow him down? Like, is it just because the bears seemingly switched up their offense out of nowhere? Is that why he's going off? You know what I mean? Or, or is it really just like, in fact, no one can tackle him in the backfield, and then he gets to just take off for twenty yards, which seems to be what happens, right? Like the, his one touchdown against the the Lions, he was going right. Some guy tried to tackle him, and he, like the tackle spun Justin back to the left side, and he got his bounce. It was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll go run for a touchdown over here now. As the whole defense is shifting over, like you you can't scheme up those plays, you can't stop those plays. It's just an incredible athlete out athleting other athletes. I I, I just there's nothing you can do to stop it. Yeah, he's a game breaker in a lot of ways, a true game changer. And people are going to be like, oh, yeah, we felt this way about Justin Fields all along. Like, no, to your point, there were people calling for him to get benched after the first handful of weeks. Like they had that really ugly game one against San Francisco. It was really rainy. The, the field was a literal lake by the end of the first quarter. Um, so that was a bit of an excuse. But the first three weeks, he didn't even crack 200 total yards. And like that's on the ground and in the air combined. So he's really improved as a runner just in terms of just like getting schemed up into the right spots. And as you mentioned, he's going to find his spots, even if that original read isn't super great. And he's improved a little bit as a passer as well, just being able to get to get it to guys like Cole Komet, who had another big week that we'll get to here in a bit in the tight end section. So he's really improved, and he's really impressed well, me. And, and to your point, so we could almost make this a segment of my buddy Spencer because I just I talk to him all the time about about football, and he's a big Bears fan. Um, but the the thing with with just the sports media in general, right, is like you'd see people saying as of last week like oh my god i've said it since day one justin fields is, is a franchise quarterback it's like if you look at their tweet from a day before you know or a, i mean more realistically like just articles they'd written even a week ago they were talking to your point about how he should be benched and like all right what are we actually going to do at quarterback now like do we have to get rid of this guy it's like it's just insane that these people get to keep their jobs because it's all about just getting clicks like you, you can't be blue check marked before it was for eight dollars and and have that kind of like just just garbage takes. I think the worst, especially in the NFL, amongst the NFL media, is someone will tweet something out about an early game performance. And it's like it's like the weather in Missouri, right? Like you wait 20 minutes, it's going to completely change. Like that's how these NFL games change so quickly. And you got to kind of have a little bit of patience as you go throughout it. But it's so wild watching like, oh, Kenny Pickett should get benched. She's so terrible. And they like based off one play in the first half. 
But like if you literally waited just like a couple more plays, Kenny Pickett got a rushing touchdown. He looked completely okay this week. So it's like you gotta have a little bit more patience. Wait, is a is a rookie like, inconsistent? Is that yeah? Oh like, my goodness! Who would have thought? Yeah, a whole whole new concept. Never seen this before in the NFL. So it's a little it's a little weird how they do keep their jobs with how like just flavor of the month they are with everything like this. It's like you gotta have a little bit more patience than that. But whatever, we we, we don't we're not in charge. We're not the admin at ESPN. On the on the loser side of things, we had Andy Dalton this week had seven points. Not like a lot of people were starting him, but just the whole Saints offense looked out of sorts today. PJ Walker had six points on Thursday Night Football. A very ugly quarterback matchup with him and Marcus Mariota. And then Russell Wilson, he didn't have like the worst week or anything like that, but I'm just really tired of like playing him in leagues. And he only had 14 points today. Not like the worst performance by any means, but just a very, very just like uninspiring game for him. And they also got the L this week once again. So any of these stick out to you as like big overall themes? I, I, I don't even think you can call this a, a, a loser for us. 14 is just kind of his average at this point. Like yeah. you're just kind of expecting 200 yards, an interception, and a touchdown. And that's the Russell Wilson experience going forward. Not great for, uh, you know, Broncos Nation because they, uh, they did, you know, spent quite a bit to get him. Uh, the PJ Walker, I'm not going to call him a loser because they won in the sense that like, he didn't need to do anything, right? Like his entire night was turn, hand it to Deontay and watch the dude just chug through the the Atlanta defense. I don't think too many people were starting him. If you were, then yeah, you're definitely losing this week. But um, w- when you're filling in the way he is, like them just getting a win is, is huge. And, you know, that helps out PJ's career. So I- I'm not going to hold that against him. He did what it took for them to win that game. Andy Dalton is just like, is he done as a backup even because you know the, the only reason he's playing is because Jameis is hurt, but like he's not exactly earning that roster spot uh, with the past few performances these, these weeks. Yeah. I think the change is either going to be Andy Dalton's no longer going to be the starter or they're going to do something with Dennis Allen. Um, it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit uh, about how bad the saints have been. They got another L this week, losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers with all of their injuries and all of their youth and I, I think it's been a little bit under the radar about how bad the Saints were based off preseason expectations. Like when we were doing our preseason pods, I was picking the Saints to win the division, to make the playoffs. I think in our like team draft, I had them like top 10 and everything. And mm-hmm. they've just really, really disappointed. So I think there's uh, I think James, James makes a difference. Right. Jameis yeah. being on that team, I, I helps a lot. They're just not the same when they have when they have Andy. Andy yeah. Dalton's just not I mean, not what he used to be. Just yeah, I, I wouldn't expect Dennis Allen to get fired like in season, but like after the season, or maybe if they have a slow start to start next year, I could see him getting the boot pretty quickly. But um, it's NFC South, so they're only two games out of uh, the playoff spot, so you never really freaking know in this league. Right. <laughs> uh, right at running backs, we had a uh, pretty chalky week in terms of the winners. Um, big performances by all these blue chip guys. Dalvin Cook had 24 points, had a big, big run for the Minnesota Vikings that was really, really hype. Jonathan Taylor had 23 points. Similarly, had a 66-yard touchdown run, which was super awesome to see. And then Saquon Barkley, he finished with 23 points, and he's back on top in terms of this full season rushing yards. So uh, what what stuck, what stood out to you in terms of these three performances? And honestly, pick your favorite. Which one do you like the most out of the these three for rest of season? Uh, oh, rest of season, 
I mean, it's probably still Saquon just because he is the whole offense of that team. Dalvin Cook's looking very good. He, he It's like a different stage of his career because right now Justin Jefferson, as we've said, is, is the option in that offense. But when Dalvin Cook gets to be the change of pace and the change of pace is still 15 to 20 touches, like you have to feel really good as a fantasy owner having Dalvin Cook because Justin Jefferson really opens up some lanes for him. And Dalvin Cook still has that closing speed. He had an 81-yard touchdown. Like You don't get that out of running backs that often because corners can catch up to him and, and no one was catching him on that run. Uh, so you have to feel great there. JT, it feels good. Obviously, Jeff Saturday is making it a priority to feed him the rock. This team's blocking better. They, they you know, they heard everyone talking about how bad they were, especially on the offensive line. Uh, maybe it might be too late now, but if you had, had traded for JT, like a lot of people, I don't think you or I ever said it, so I won't try to take credit for it by any means, but a lot of people were saying, hey, maybe go try to trade for JT because uh, – uh, people might be fed up with them. And then Saquon is Saquon. Like he's the RB one for a reason right now. He's going to keep getting the usage. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm probably feeling the best about cook right now. And that might do, might be just because I own him. But like, if it's not Justin Jefferson, it's cook. And like cook is getting kind of that, that afterthought from defenses because they have to focus on Justin Jefferson so much. These other teams, they have like, you have to focus Saquon, you have to focus JT, but against the Vikings, you have to focus Jefferson. And that gives a lot of room for cook to, to make plays. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I worry a little bit of JT and the Jeff Saturday offense. Like we were just talking about how great it was, but that was just probably a little bit of, Oh, we don't really know what a Jeff Saturday offense is going to look like. And once teams try and figure it out a little bit, I'm a little worried at that point. Um, Dalvin cook, I like a lot, but I think that Justin Jefferson just is a slightly higher priority in that offense. So I think the answer still has to be Saquon Barkley. And it's been really fun watching him run this year. Uh, He hasn't had like a ton of like super big runs. He had like a 68 yard run earlier this season, but it's just like the constant brilliance and the consistency. That's really, really cool to see. He's all breaking off all these like 10 yard runs and 20 yard runs. I'm looking really slick and really smooth out there. It's really looking like rookie year uh, Saquon Barkley or even like Penn State uh Saquon Barkley so it's been a right. lot I mean of if any him. any of these three are your RB1 that you're not feeling bad yeah yeah you're like, maybe JT because this is the first time this year it's had it's been a like an above 20 performance but you're yeah. still you're feeling okay yeah you're looking pretty good at this point at least going forward uh some guys on the loser side of things are running back this week uh, I put Alvin Kamara on here just because he had that really big game a few weeks ago and it really looked like he's about ready to take off he had a bit of a stinker this week only seven points David Montgomery also struggled. He only had five points today, and Khalil Herbert, his backup, I guess we could call him, outscored him this week. Cordero Patterson uh, in his game back from injury, he only had three points this week. The whole Atlanta backfield was a mess. Tyler Algier had three catches for negative 17 yards. Um, Avery Williams is playing the converted linebacker at running back, and like he's still getting touches. The whole thing still confounds me. That's my least favorite backfield this year. And then Kareem Hunt had only three points as well this week. It's fully the Nick Chubbs uh, show at this point. Uh, Kareem Hunt had six carries for nine yards, so a real nice performance from him. With all these losers, the one that probably hurts the most is Cordero Patterson. Because when he's played, he's been getting massive goal line touches. And he was going against the Panthers, so you're, you're like licking your, your lips, right? You're like, oh my God, here we go. And whatever the heck happened, like that Thursday night game was true Thursday night football. Like everything about it was just not watchable NFL football. So that one definitely hurts. Um, if you have David Montgomery, and we might talk about this later, it's like 
that stings because you might have drafted him as a low end RB one or like you're feeling really good as an RB two. And Khalil Herbert's kind of supplanted him, but also like Justin Fields has just supplanted all rushing attempt. Like he's just taken over everything. It's it's truly that uh that Ravens experience now where you're like, I don't trust these running backs because the quarterback gets the best looks, right? He he gets the high value goal line touches. They're they're not giving the ball away. Um, so it's it's just tough to to feel confident starting them. And then Kamara's rough because you, you spend a high second round pick, and it's like clearly when he gets the the opportunities, he's still great, but he doesn't seem to be getting the opportunities. Like it, it's just such a weird offense right now. Um, it, it just kind of goes to what we've said a few times, you know, where it's like you just kind of have to pick offenses like players that you trust you know trust the talent but then like it's also coaching staffs you trust like good offenses and then like who has good quarterbacks because that keeps an offense humming right so hunt patterson montgomery hunt patterson kamara don't have good quarterbacks montgomery has a great quarterback but he's the kind that steals goal line touches so it Mm -hmm. like these losers aren't surprising yeah, it's uh, the Montgomery situation reminds me so much of like last year with like Singletary and Josh Allen because like Josh Allen's just a, a bowling ball as we all know, so he would just run it in from the one and two yard line, and th- that's David Montgomery's like bread and butter, right? Like he's supposed to be the bowling ball, so that really really hurts him. Um, I think the one that sinks the most is Kamara here because I was pretty excited. Like excited is probably like the wrong word, but like. I was excited for Kamara's value in an Andy Dalton-led offense rather than Jameis Winston-led offense because, like, Andy Dalton loves to dump it off. Like, we saw it for years and years and years with, like, Samaj P. Ryan. A lot of guys that just, like, guys that would catch it out of the backfield, and it looks like Kamara would also be doing that off the checkdowns from Andy Dalton. But this just, like, really hasn't happened outside of his really big blow-up game. So last two weeks, hasn't hit double digits. So if you drafted him highly, which a lot of people did, including myself. Um, he's really, really been burning you the last couple of weeks. Look at the wide receivers this week. Uh, we're having some shakeups right now. I've, I've been tracking. I, I'm the... glad you added it because this Packers Cowboys game is changing everything. Yeah. This game's going a little bit bonkers right now. As we're talking right now, uh, we we're adding CD lamb. He has 36 points. Now uh, the Packers game is 28, 21 going into the fourth quarter. Uh, CD lamb stat line right now is 10 for 135. How, how touchdowns. far behind are you? It's it's tied up right now. Packers have the ball back with a minute left. Oh shit! Oh, I didn't. Pff, never mind. Ignore me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this game's even going even crazier. I can't even keep up with it. Um, yeah, there's about a minute left in the game right now. Christian Watson is also pushing his way into this, which isn't too surprising. He's been looking really, really good this game. He had a huge catch from Aaron Rodgers, which looked like it might be a bit of an issue with like trust and such. But Christian Watson's up to 33 points. He has three, three touchdowns. touchdowns on he, first, first three touchdowns of his NFL career. What a, yeah. what a way to do it. Have a day. Uh, and then the other winners of the week, Justin Jefferson, we already brought him up outside, just looking really good. He also had a very good stat line. He finished with 35 points. Christian Kirk, back-to-back really great weeks for him after looking dead in the water for a sec there. He had 32 points. And as we all expected, you know, the the classic, the blue chip guy, everyone's stud, 99 on Madden. Nick Westbrook-Akine had 29 points today after, mind you, Three straight weeks of zero points blows up for 29 points today. He had two touchdowns. So what do you think of this winner's list that's constantly evolving? So Justin Jefferson is, is kind of like Kelsey. You can almost just like like cement him as a winner and therefore almost not need to talk about him every week. Um, I had a league where I was able to get Christian Kirk for Chuba Hubbard because the guy was desperate at running back, and that feels awesome as Kirk's been really popping off for me and Hubbard's been been injured or not playing. Nice. Um, 
the the Westbrook Aquino one is just like what I, I mean I like it's one of those ones where even if you like play uh, daily fantasy like so if you have DraftKings like even the winning rosters don't have this guy because everyone's like we don't know who this human is and if someone does like that they somehow they're gonna win because they paid two thousand dollars for thirty points you know on their on their team really an, an interesting week just a big week for wide receivers because you know the the biggest running back right 24 points the the fifth wide receiver 30 something points like it it, it's just kind of you can see the shift in fantasy football here yeah like there's a lot of talent with westbrook akine like coming out of indiana he was a big deal there um there's even some people i know that like were drafting him especially in like dynasty leagues he looks like a good stash but everybody had lost faith he had three straight games with zero points one game and there he didn't even have a single target so he's owned in 0.7 percent of leagues so you can't beat yourself up on this one but god what a play if you actually played him that would have been huge <laughs> all right so looking at the losers this week at wide receiver uh not a lot of like really standout terrible performances we had a few stinkers that were cooking up like cooper cup at one point had three catches for negative one yards but we don't want to hold that against them especially with a john wolford led offense uh the main losers this week the guys that just like didn't really pop off mari cooper had six points dj moore had seven points and chris olave had seven points as well so no one too insane um there will probably be some stinkers that will come up in the afternoon games or this evening so um, any of these stand out as something you're really, really worried about? Not really. I mean, it. this is rough because Olave's been kind of a, a very consistent double-digit every-game type player, uh, and they were losing, so you, I'm not sure how he doesn't score against the Steelers' secondary that's been decimated. Um, so that, that one's surprising. DJ Moore, you, you can't trust him. Amari Cooper, you can't really trust him. It's just kind of the, you know, the, the highs and lows of fantasy football at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit worried about Cooper just because Dominant People Jones has been pretty good this year. And it, just in general, it seems like wide receiver isn't a thing that the Browns really want to invest in. Uh, I, looking back at Jarvis Landry, you know, they didn't let, they didn't resign him. Um, looking at like, uh, they traded literally a six round pick to, for Amari Cooper to be their first overall receiver. And it's like, what? Um, just been guys over the years that have just kind of come and go for them. So I'm a little worried about Amari Cooper, but. The big asterisk on all that is Deshaun Watson will be back in a couple of weeks. So like right. that could yeah, completely that beat change. me to it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to bury the lead there. But yeah, I, Deshaun Watson could change everything. That could completely change how uh, this offense works. Right now we're dealing with Jacoby Brissett and how the offense runs through Deshaun Watson is anybody's guess because he's yet to play it down for them. So interesting performances there. At tight end, uh, some big, big plays by Cole Komet once again. Two touchdowns for him. Pretty insane that he's just been going off like this with the touchdown production. Doesn't seem overly sustainable, but very, very big weeks. Travis Kelsey, the old mainstay with 20 points. And then Jawan Johnson, Brandon Sears, who was on our pod last week, recommended him 15 points this week. Very, very big performance. Looking um, like a genius with that recommendation because I laughed at that one. I'm like, dude, don't get Jawan Johnson. Like, that's a joke. Oh, like we were both like, who the hell is this guy? And he just completely popped off. So the the Andy Dalton tight end, that's a, that's a thing to track. So uh, he's going to be just a little foreshadowing. He's going to be my pick for waiver ads for this week as well. So uh, he played extremely well. Um, Tyler Higby also has been returning to form. If you remember, he had zero points last week. So he had one target with zero points. So he bounced back in a big way. Um, but yeah, tight end, staying unpredictable as always. <laughs> 
on the loser side of tight ends, nothing too exciting. Uh, no, none of the guys that we really even want to talk about. Kyle Pitts had five points. Big whoop. Evan the, Ingram. The big, the big thing here, sorry, not to steal your thunder here, because it's like the losers of tight end is just the position. So Ingram at four, Dolrich at two. But like Kyle Pitts had eight targets. Mm. He had eight targets. None of them were catchable, and he still ended up getting five points. Like there was times he was wide open and the ball's going out of bounds, right? He's got his defender beat by two steps. Like there's something about Mariota where it's just like if Kyle Pitts is open, he forgets how to play quarterback. And yeah. it's not like he was playing quarterback great in the first place, but he was hitting other receivers. Like he threw an absolute dime to to Drake London in the back of the end zone. But mm-hmm. if if Kyle Pitts is open, he just does not throw him the ball. Pitts Pitts is like literally just not rosterable as long as Mariota is the quarterback for the Falcons. Yeah, it's sad. Like he's a very high upside play because he get those eight targets. But like again, none of them are good. Like I'm sure they counted that one where Mariota was rolling on the ground and then throwing them. That was probably a Pitts target. Let's be real. So just a tough season for Falcons. And like the crazy thing is like they're still in contention. But like that's just not that's just after the rest t- of the after today that that might have that door might have closed because they're down two games now to the Buccaneers, I believe, with with the fact that they've lost to him already. Yeah, those head-to-head things are really going to start taking form here in a little bit. So, yeah, weird week at tight end, but we never have a normal week. So I guess that should just be the normal thing to expect. All right, we're moving on to our cut them off section. These are guys that are 100% droppable in leagues. We were 100% right on these, and we totally didn't have Jeff Wilson in here a couple weeks ago. I say we loosely. It was 100% me. Uh, who are some guys that you are looking to cut this week? You missed him somehow in the RB losers, but CEH, if I'm not mistaken, had a zero-point performance today. No rushing attempts, two targets, no catches. Oh, it, man. The, how the mighty have fallen. He was RB5 after the first three weeks. And we were like, dude, trade him, trade him, trade him. I don't believe in it. I don't believe in it. And now it's like the floor has been pulled out from underneath him. This is not where you want to be if you're a CEH owner. Yeah, he had zero touches today. He like he didn't even register on the ESV unless he's tucked away with Zeke Elliott, who wasn't playing today as that out designation. Yeah, I completely whipped on this one. Zero carries, zero yards, zero touches, zero receptions, zero everything. How the hell did that happen? So yeah, it seems like Pacheco is the guy to go with going forward. I cannot believe how far he's. So I I, te- I texted you and I was like, did did Ceh sleep with Andy Reid's wife? Like, <laughs> I I understand he wasn't getting a ton of. Volume volume but he was getting relevant volume right yeah. and it's like all of a sudden they're just like you know what how about no yeah I, I, he wasn't even in the box score so like i don't even know how you're supposed to wow this is insane i we've been talking about cutting ceh for a few weeks now so like i'm not overly overly surprised but just with the draft capital they pumped into him right like a first overall first pick, pick. Yeah. yeah coming out of lsu you know being he was like the top guy there like it seemed like they had a lot of patience with him even through his like first couple seasons that weren't overly spectacular so this is a huge huge change for them i didn't even look at their box they got they before. got the wrong louisiana player right you could have got joe burrow you could have got jefferson you could have got jamar you could have got tmj but they they landed ceh and it was the one professional bust out of that uh just powerhouse of a college football team yeah, truly. And Pacheco had a pretty good game this week. He had 16 carries. Um, Kadarius Tony also had a couple carries. Patrick Mahomes, low-key, is turning into a bit of a runner. He had those 60 yards last week, and then he had 39 rushing yards on seven attempts today. So that's also eating into it. So, yeah, CEH, cut him off. He's done. <laughs> 
another guy that I'm pretty out on at this point too, at least for this season, like don't come in dynasty or anything like that, but Chase Claypool is just not really meshing in this Chicago offense ever since the trade from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the past two weeks, he hasn't even cracked five fantasy points. Doesn't really seem to be a priority. He seems to be pretty far down the pecking order for touches. Um, maybe next year will be a little bit better for Claypool. But like right now, I just I don't even want to touch him. He's not startable. I don't see him being startable the rest of the year either. So he's. Yeah, I, I don't hate that as a cut him off. I'm with you. I think next year Claypool is going to be a sneaky sleeper pick. Because uh, this offense is definitely starting to click, but it's just tough. You just want the trade deadline, and I'd like to know how often does that really work? Like the only guy that's proving himself is T.J. Hawkinson's had like 16 catches since being traded by the the Lions. But I, I remember like the Patriots guy Muhammad Sanu a few years ago, which is a highly publicized, terrible you know trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the Chiefs getting Tony is working out, but you know that's more of a surprise than like the the norm. It's just tough. You're halfway through the season. You're trying to learn a new playbook. You're trying to work with a new quarterback. They want to get him the ball. They have him do some of those end around sweeps and everything. But you're just asking a lot if you're expecting, you know, just elite performances out of a guy that is is working with like his third quarterback in his first three years as a professional. Like you just got to give him some time, unfortunately. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like this season's going to be enough time for him to fully figure. Yeah, I mean, you have what four weeks until the fantasy playoffs, like that's not the time you know what I mean like hopefully you're not relying on Chase Claypool figuring it out for you to to win your league yeah I like your last pick here this one's a little bit spicy but I think it has good rationale behind it yeah you think we should drop uh Chuba Hubbard yeah Chuba Hubbard theoretically is the RB2 or you know kind of it should be a perfect 50-50 split in that Panthers backfield but especially after this week where they proved like like Deontay Foreman is it it is Deontay right not Dante or yeah it's Deontay (laughs) okay Deontay Foreman had like 25 carries I mean, and they had no problem. Just like, like he looked gassed and he was like, nah, screw it. Let, let me keep, let me keep running. And they, I mean, he just ran through Atlanta. Um, you know, he's clearly their number one option. Uh, Rashim, what, what's the Shareem or thank you. Got more touches than Hubbard. I know he had the ankle issue, but it's like, he seems to kind of be, falling into third running back which is not where you want to be he is the pass catching back but i don't think pj walker is a a willing participant in check down throws he would rather run the ball as we've seen so hubbard's i'd, I'd say droppable yeah and we didn't really know how this was going to play out after matt rule got fired but very clearly steve wilkes prefers deontay foreman over chuba hubbard and it's very clear 31 carries to five carries like a big discrepancy there so chuba hubbard like if you're not getting involved in the game there's no point in rostering him volume is king and fantasy football and if you want a feel good story deontay foreman is a guy to cheer for because before he had his big season with the titans last year he was like dead set on just running a trucking company with his dad and then but was like, don't worry, dad, I'm going to stay in shape. And then got the call and like has been balling out since then. And like is still playing for his dad. Like it's definitely one of the, the better stories in the NFL. If you if you want to look into it. Yeah, 100 percent. Like even going back to Texas, like he was such a fun player. And then he finally got to play in the NFL for his like hometown Houston Texans. And that didn't work out. But the dude is like a literal Derrick Henry clone. Like he runs angry. He runs powerfully. And he's just a fun player just to watch. So there's a lot of these like plodding running backs that just aren't enjoyable to watch. But he's like in that Derrick Henry mold where like he just runs over people. So I'm also rooting for him. I've He's been one of those guys that I've been rooting for. for a while. I believe the term is mutter. Like a true all-terrain running back, just low center gravity knows how to explode through people. 
a mutter. I love it. It's like a like that horse from Seinfeld. Let's look at waiver ads this week and run through these real quick. Um, a couple of real obvious ones, and then like per usual tight ends, just like a shit show. So hit me with your picks this week that you're picking up. Yeah, I mean, so Tannehill finally proved himself a little bit this week. Came back had a nice performance. I want to say twenty, like mid twenties, which is really good. So if he has a good matchup, a great streaming option for you, especially as we're hitting buys here. Uh, CEH is apparently dead to the Chiefs, so Jarek McKinnon, I think, becomes a rosterable running back, right? He's he's taking those targets that CEH was getting, making him relevant, and, and McKinnon does get some touches, uh, like, like rushing attempts. Julio Jones is coming alive a bit with the Bucks. If you're up at 8.30 to watch that game, he had a really great catch and run for a 31-yard touchdown. Looks healthy. I know that's a knock on wood, like wishful thinking for him to stay healthy, but if you're in a pinch, he's not the worst, you know, category or like worst um, option. Uh, Tom seems to really trust him. He was getting some very key targets uh, along with Chris Godwin today. And then if somehow Cole Komet is not picked up in your league yet, a guy that's getting high value targets is Cole Komet. I think you got a roster. Like if you're like me and have Kyle Pitts, like I feel better starting Cole Komet going forward than I ever would Kyle Pitts. Like I, I just, if your guy gets touchdown target or, you know, end zone targets, and you don't have a good tight end, you pretty much just have to switch to the guy that gets the, the high-value targets, and that's really all there is to yeah. it. Yeah, it's good stuff here. I think you're 100% right with the Cole Komet stuff. Like, we were just waiting to see who was going to be that red zone guy, and it's not going to be like Darnell Mooney or anything like that. So Cole Komet makes a lot of sense this week. Um, similar to your Tannehill take, I there's no, like, real terrible or really great option, but you could do way worse than, like, a Kenny Pickett, who is my quarterback pick of the week. Um, his rushing floor has been incredibly high. He had 50 yards on the ground and a touchdown today. And, like, what's he going to do? Hand it off to Najee Harris? I wouldn't. So I think he's not a bad pick at quarterback. Uh, probably the number one overall waiver guy this week that everyone's going to be going after is Rashad White. If you listen to our pod this past week, we talked about the report that came out that Rashad White might end up getting the start over Leonard Fournette, and that ended up happening. So definitely be listening to us just for like and the- and Leonard Fournette was on the sideline with like a, a, a abdomen injury uh, late in that game, and yeah, Rashad he looked really good. Yeah, as some people call him, Richad White looked really mm-hmm. great today, um, got the start, and then, as you mentioned, Lenny Fournette ended up getting hurt later in the game. Rashad White had a very nasty stiff arm that just was amazing. So may- maybe this, maybe the sneaky pick, then, is uh, grabbing Keyshawn Vaughn. So if, if Leonard Fournette ends up being out, every, like Rashad White might have already been snagged by some of the savvy league people, uh, but Keyshawn Vaughn had an incredible play on third down to keep their drive alive when it seemed like the Bucks were just reeling right like it looked like the Seahawks might get the ball back and just keep scoring touchdowns uh he he caught the ball at, at kind of in the backfield did one good jab and was able to get 10 yards to keep the drive going for the Buccaneers he, mm-hmm. he's an explosive guy he's a pass catcher if you're in a PPR league Keyshawn Bond might be like a sneaky stash if you're hurting at running back yeah, that's a name I haven't heard in years. Keyshawn Vaughn had all that hype that first year that Tom Brady was there. And everyone's like, oh, it's going to be Keyshawn Vaughn. He's going to be that rookie who's right behind Tom Brady. And then nothing really happened, but he is looking a lot better. Um, yeah, and the other guys that you would be worried about in that backfield are um, either gone 
or in the case of like Giovanni Bernard, just like not playing because he's on IR. So I like that one. He's 45 years old. (laughs) Dude has a great mustache, though. He should be on McAdee with that mustache. We love our facial hair here. Um, Yeah, but as you mentioned, Rashad White might be picked up in some leagues. He's rostering like 25% of leagues right now, so nothing too insane. So you might be able to still get him. But as I mentioned, he should be like the number one guy on the waiver wire this week. Um, I would put a lot of fab down if you're in a league that has that um, salary kind of uh, format. I love Rashad White, with, especially with if this injury for Leonard Fournette ends up being somewhat serious. A wide receiver, I'm going Katerius Tony. We talked about him at the top, looking untackleable in the league right now, and it looks like a favorite of Patrick Mahomes. On top of the fact that Juju will likely end up missing at least a week with his head injury, so Kadarius Tony, go grab him as well. And then tight end, the aforementioned Jawan Johnson, he's looking pretty solid. Andy Dalton likes him. He's getting the production. Very similar to Cole Komet. Not the, not the worst option you could have. I would trust him over like a Robert Tunyon at this point in a lot of ways too. So um, a lot of good waiver pickups this week. I, I definitely recommend getting some of these guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just looked it up. The The rostered percentage is 45%. I, I don't want to do it. But yeah, full-time sexual predator, part-time quarterback Deshaun Watson out there. If you need a quarterback, they have a bye week week. 12 maybe or i mean he's, he's only got one game left on a suspension in a bye week but if you're hurting a quarterback or in a two quarterback league uh if you have limited morals he's probably worth grabbing yeah well, that's a fair point yeah that is like the big return that's sneaking up on some people and then like as we mentioned like i was talking to my brother earlier today he's in a work league that's like a fairly high money league and he went he went on the waiver wire today he sent me a little screenshot of it Jamar Chase was available and he went and picked up Jamar Chase. So like be looking for those kind of things that can sneak up on some people that can really win you some leagues. How does that happen? People are careful, man. They're not paying attention. They don't want to win clearly. So (laughs) pretty, I was, I was shocked when I said, okay, if Jamar Chase is on your waiver wire, that is the number one waiver pickup. If you have fab budget below every last bit of fab budget you have on him. But clearly people are worried about him. Like if people are uninformed about his injury and like how long his prognosis is supposed to be, like go grab him. People He's built different. He'll be back. Yeah, people aren't valuing him correctly. All right, we are changing gears and we are moving to 3 and D. This is our basketball segment. Uh, right off the top, th- this has been one of my favorite observations of this week. It looks like right now, if the season ended today, the Lakers would be in last place in the entire association. They are 2-10 going into today. Um, that is last in the Western Conference. They have the worst point differential in all of basketball right now. Uh, they are looking abysmal. The, the bench Westbrook stuff is working pretty well, but the rest of the roster has either been hurt or ineffective or a mixture of the two. Uh, and they currently owe their first over their first round pick to the New Orleans Pelicans. It might be a pick swap, but it's definitely like owed to them. At it's this a, it's point. a swap. Okay, yeah. There's a lot of things with that Anthony it's, Davis. The swap will be will be show, like it's it's a non protected swap. I have a strange feeling the Pelicans will be exercising. Yeah, I feel like the Pelicans are going to have a better record. So uh, this season's been really interesting for the Pelicans so far for a lot of reasons. We're getting point CJ McCollum. Uh, Zion Williamson has been looking amazing on offense, but abysmal on defense. B.I. His defense like- is atrocious. It is so tough to watch. 
it's not looking like he did at Duke. Like, I'm really confused. Like, Zion Williamson at Duke was a great closeout defender. And now he just, like, lacks fundamentals. He lacks, like, general athleticism. Like, he doesn't even do, like, the chopping his feet stuff. Like, the stuff that they teach you on day one of basketball camp. Like, even I could do that. So, uh, it's been a very weird Zion season. But his offense potential is off the charts still. And Brandon Ingram's looking like that next-level superstar. Like, he's breaking into that top 20. There's a handful of guys that are really making that leap this year like donovan mitchell and he is one of those guys so if you add victor Wambanyama to this mix like you have a team that has limitless potential literally off the charts like nba finals type between victor zion and brandon ingram that would be an insane big three that they could also have locked up for years to come they have a lot of guys on that roster that would be very interesting around them like herb jones jose alvarado a lot of guys that i'm really interested in that are younger too like jackson hayes and dyson daniels i know you're a pelicans fan which is why i'm belaboring this point so much but i love the potential of this pelicans team and i they're my favorite victor uh, destination at this point. This could be a Man, that would be so exciting. Game. You might even see uh, Le GM try to trade himself over to the Pelicans if that happens. Um, yeah, just, just potential galore out there. It's pretty exciting uh, to be a Pels fan right now. Get him in the Smoothie to, King. To center. your point, though, too, like Zion played good defense in college. It, it's just like he's like lazy right now. Like he's just worried about getting those 25 to 30 points in the paint, banging it around, and then just like you can see him just taking a breath on defense. It's like, dude, you're a pro. Just get into shape and start playing defense. Like it's not that hard. Truly, especially when you can jump out of the gym. Like just get your hand in, in, in some passing lanes. Get your hand up and block some shots. Uh, so then my take here for the three and D segment, and I'll, I'll have you help me out the best you can. But God, is Steph playing really well right now? Uh, I, he might be honestly on an MVP run. I know I'm I'm a big Luca believer. Have been kind of standing Luca, but. Steph is at 69.5% true shooting percentage, which is best in his career. And uh, I think like second or third best efficiency rating at 30.89. Like he's just on another level right now and is carrying an, an otherwise kind of lackluster Golden State team uh, to kind of keeping them afloat because it's a team that should be a, uh, a finals hopeful. Obviously, they're the defending champions, but like they're under 500. They're looking a little off right now it's like thankfully Steph's playing out of his mind and keeping them kind of in that win column yeah and he if the season ended today he would have his highest points per game that he's ever had you mentioned like the 44 isn't it or something I mean it's like incredible what is that yeah the streak has been insane it, it, you mentioned the efficiency rating that's not like a typical stat that guards are really good in because of like the I had the ball the whole time yeah, but he's still over 30. Like, that's unheard of for guards. Like, usually we only see, like, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's that are, like, way up there. So he has been unreal this year. Yeah, he's getting a few illegal screens from some of his guys. Whatever. I don't really care about that. He has been the only reason the Golden State Warriors have stayed afloat so far. And, yeah, really just pushing them into a different stratosphere. It's been really fun to watch him. It's looking like peak stuff all over again from, like, that 2015 season. He's putting up a ton of shots, too. Like, he has, like, 21 shots per game right now, which is, like, crazy for him. All right, and then my last take here in 3 and D, um, I'm loving the development right now of Desmond Bain. He's like my favorite to go from like a non-all-star to an all-star season this year. Um, if you remember, Desmond Bain was that guy who was a bit of a breakout last year, but he's breaking out once again, which is really hard to do in the NBA. Uh, he was a older guy coming out of college. A lot of people thought he would just be a finished product, a 3 and D type player. 
working in our name here. Uh, but he's really turning into a superstar level scorer as as well from all three levels. Uh, the dude's shooting 91% from free um, from the free throw line. Um, he's shooting 45% from three, which is a career high. And the most exciting part of all of this is he's up to 25 points per game crazy based off what we could have expected in the past um he is looking like a true best running mate with john morant that backcourt is looking insane right now and honestly might be the best in all of basketball right now and that's not a hyperbole just like looking at all the other ones like they they might be the top one um his passing is improved he's up to five assists per game and obviously still doing that great defense that we expect from desmond baines so um he's my favorite for mip right now usually they try not to give it to guys that are like in their second or third year because there's already like baked in uh improvement that is expected but he might just be so freaking good that he might still just win it anyway. So uh, I love Desmond Bain. I didn't like have him very high as a prospect. Like he fell into like the late first round, Um, but God, has he been so, so good. And like Memphis is just killing it in terms of their drafting right now. Yeah. And before we get to our hot take segment and this, this is nothing three and D related, but um, I I just want to say, I don't, I'm not going to say I'm clairvoyant or anything, but the Packers did just beat the Cowboys and uh, I did mention when we had, um, oh my, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm uh, when we had Brandon on the on the pod, yeah, um, he said drop Aaron Rodgers, and I was like, don't do that just yet. Well, Aaron had a nearly 300 yard performance, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Like, I knew it was a little little too soon to to completely give up on the Packers. They looked like an entirely different team. That's just what Aaron does against the Cowboys. Uh, if you listen to me, I said don't believe the. Uh, than being the uh, the dogs here, like the, this Packers team at Lambeau, when it's cold, they'll they'll be fine. How was the final score? Like there was a thirty-one twenty-eight okay. over Basically overtime. Crosby. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they there they had go. some good plays in overtime. Just put the ball right in the middle, let Crosby put it through. Yeah, that's all you got to do. You got to get that last second field goal. So that's impressive. And I don't know, was McCarthy throwing the game for his old team? I guess we'll never. Know. I don't think so. He spiked his headset when uh, they failed to convert on fourth down. <laughs> Dude, he was walking in in like this really big, like trench coaty kind of suit. I was like, he's walking in for the funeral right now, but I guess he's walking in for his own funeral. All right, for our hot take section, we are doing a chips power ranking. Chips meaning like potato chips, and we're getting real specific with it. We're going down to the brand, we're going down to the flavor, getting to the nitty gritty of this. So I freaking love chips. Like I could probably eat my weight in chips, especially right now because I haven't had dinner. So I'm excited for this power ranking. So. Hit us with your first one, Jimmy D. I, well, first of all, I'm with you there, man. Chips are, are my weakness, my Achilles heel, if you will. Um, if I don't check myself, I could eat like 8,000 calories in chips and just be like, what? oh, well, there goes the the diet plan. And, and yeah, when I, su- when I suggested this, I was like, does Jimmy D eat chips? Like, you're so healthy. I was like, does this even fit into his macros? Like, is he I, I unfortunately do, man. The, the crunchy gets me. <laughs> all right, let's hear it. So number one for me, and this is a new development. I found these chips maybe six months ago. Uh, they're at Walmart, but the Caso de Oro tortilla chips, uh, especially the jalapeno flavored, they have they have uh, just your traditional tortilla as well as jalapeno. These are top notch. These are elite tier tortilla chips. Uh, they they kick uh, Tostitos out of the uh, out of the ballpark. You know they. Mm-hmm. They, they really stick it to on the border. Like these are what you need to start getting. They're that thicker, like actually made from uh, old tortilla type style. Um, just, I, I don't even know what, like there, there's just no other way to explain it other than you guys have to go. They're, they're only like $3 a bag. Like just go to Walmart, 
buy a couple bags of these, get some different salsas to try with them, like try them plain, try them with dips, but they are elite tier tortilla chips. Yeah, I'm such like a cheap ass that I usually just kind of overlook these, but now that I'm looking at them, like these look elite. And on top of that, it looks like they actually fill the bag, which is like in comparison to like on the border and such, they only fill it like a quarter of the way through. So like bang for your buck, these seem like a lot better in that way in terms of volume. Yeah, you got you got to get them. Sound amazing. You've got me sold on those. Uh, my number one overall pick. This is like my number one go to food if like I'm stranded on a deserted island in the hypothetical and I can only have one thing to eat for the rest of my life is Ruffles loaded baked potato chips. Uh, my entire life can be sectioned off into before I had these Ruffles loaded baked potato chips and then after I had Ruffles loaded baked potato chips. It completely changed my life. I didn't have these until I was like 16 or 17 and like my mom got it for me as like my snack for the week. Shit is incredible. Like they literally are like laced with cocaine or something like that. They are so freaking good. Has all the different flavors that you could want. Smoky, spicy, just like the, the real rich flavors. And then it's on the ruffles. Like there's no better chip shape in my opinion than a nice ruffle with the ridges. So I, I love me some ruffles. Are, are these better than the AD ruffles? <laughs> they are better than AD ruffles that get left behind during the hurricane and there's nothing left for people to eat. Yes, they're much better than that. Okay. So then my number two, and this is very specific, it has to be the Aldi brand version here because other kettle chips are just not the same. But the Aldi brand kettle cooked jalapeno chips are top tier. They're the kind you open the bag, next thing you know, the entire bag is gone, right? The Lay's kettle cooked, not the same. They just cut your mouth, not great. Um, like great value stuff, not great. You've got to get the Aldi kettle cooked jalapeno chips. They're on another level. I've actually had these before, this specific brand too. And I got them whenever I was sick last winter. I got sick a lot last winter for some reason. And I grabbed this bag and I brought it into bed with me because I was sick. I know it's kind of gross eating in bed, whatever. And I ate the entire freaking bag in the midst of like an entire day because like I just didn't move because I was sick. And this stuff is just so good. It is so hard to put down. So great pick, great value in the second round. I'm going to steal this one from you a little bit. Um, we're not doing a draft or anything, so we're allowed to both have this. But I have Miss Vicky's Sea Salt and Vinegar Chips in my second slot here. They are literally the best chips I've ever had whenever it comes to like a lunch type of chip. Having this with the sandwich is like literally like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. I, I'm mouthwatering right now. Um, they will destroy the roof of your mouth. Uh, they are literal acid, but they're so good. It makes it so worth it. Um, these chips are incredible. I, I could spend way too much money on these. Um, I, I have nothing else to say. Honestly, so with, with any of, of our kettle cooked selections here, you know, the, the rumor being a, a someone from a rural town was always, oh, uh, chew messes up your mouth because they put fiberglass in it, which is obviously a lie. I think kettle cook chips might have fiberglass in them the way they cut the roof of your mouth. Yeah, I could totally see it. I uh, love so, them though, despite it. Yeah, so to just copyright off you, I picked Cape Cod uh, kettle cooked sea salt and vinegar. I might have even been thinking Miss Vicky's. Regardless, a good old fashioned kettle cooked sea salt and vinegar chip, I think. Just hits the spot. It's not number one because it's not like an, an everyday chip. But if you're mm -hmm. feeling it, man, is it is it the way to go? Yeah, if you're kissing someone afterwards or you have like a job interview, like that's not the chip to get. But for just a casual eating experience, that is so, so top tier. My next pick here, I went with the ranch flavored Pringles. I knew I had to put Pringles somewhere here in the power rankings because 
you know, you're able to stack them. You're able to do like the little duck bill thing. Like they're so much fun to eat, but I love the ranch flavored ones. They, they literally take like the nature Valley, hidden Valley, whatever it's called, um, packet and just like dump them on the chip and you get like so much like cholesterol and salt uh packed into a singular chip it's so freaking good i love the ranch flavored pringles that's easily my favorite flavor right on then i'm gonna have to go with zaps voodoo chips uh it's hard to find these i don't feel like everywhere keeps them but it's like an incredibly unique flavor of the the zaps factory like combines their sea salt and vinegar with like whatever chip dust is just on the floor at the time or not on the floor, but like on the conveyor belt where they're just like, well, that run is over. We just kind of mix it all together and throw it on. Uh, I, I, they're, they're awesome. I, I think the rumor is always like, it's like basically worth its weight in gold in prison because you can actually add flavor to food items with this. And it's always in the commissary. But, uh, even though I'm not someone who has been to prison, I'm a huge fan of the Zaps foodie chips. I could totally see this being the currency, man. Like, who needs wine or toothbrushes? You can just have voodoo chips. I've never had these. These look incredible. My next pick, once again, don't be going on a date after you have these chips. But I love me a classic Funyun. Um, they're so good. They're, they're onion ringy. Everything that you could want in a chip. I love anything that's garlicky or oniony. So Funyuns are top, top tier in my mind. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good pick. They're, they're not particularly my favorite, but I, I don't dislike them. I, I feel like... Then here, you know, we're at five. This this could have easily been a top 10, top 15, top 20 list. Like we could honorable mention for days. I'm, I'm a huge chip person. I, I think honorable mention, I, Takis should be on here. I'd say honorable mention, just your classic like Lay's, um, like sour cream and onion chip or like a Lay's barbecue somehow isn't on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are all good, but they, they don't crack my top five. I bent the rules here with chips this is more of just crunchy snack but dots original flavored pretzels they're just twisted pretzels with a very good kind of like ranchy garlicky seasoning um you you might be scratching your head saying no that's not a chip it's not the same like just go get them sometime if you're having like a sandwich day uh, just just get dots original they these are incredible pretzels they they really are worth the premium price you have to pay for them yeah i'm not a pretzel guy but i'll give these a try for sure uh, and as you mentioned, a lot of chips just barely miss the cut. I, I Again, I feel like we're going to have people in our comments or something being like, oh, you forgot about this chip. Or, oh, what about this chip? Sorry. There's just a lot of good ones. Apologies to the pizza Pringles. Those are really good. Couldn't sneak in Doritos on this list either. I like me a good Dorito. And we didn't have a single like baked chip, like a Lay's baked chip. And I really like that style. You feel It's because baked chips are D tier. Bruh, no, you feel healthy when you're eating them. It's great. You're not, and they give you uh, in, like digestive problems because they use a fake ass like oil in them to to get it to taste like a chip, but not be fried. Do they really? Do they like melt down bicycle tires? Yeah, it's it's like a weird like I'd have to look up the it, the acronym for it, but it is a very highly processed hydrogenated oil that just makes you feel like dog shit. Dude, don't ruin these for me. I didn't know this, but I was talking to someone at work the other day. Apparently, like the shape of chocolate is only staying the way that it is because of wax. And like, that's literally like wax that you like put in candles and shit. I didn't realize that. Like we're literally eating wax. Are you I, sure about that one? Dead ass. Not even kidding. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I believe it, but we'll see. I'll, I'll do some more research. Yeah. And I'll get back yeah to go ahead and link that one. Cause I feel like <laughs> when you just get like a 99% cacao bar, they would tell you if there's any wax in it. Well, one of our customers, uh, ExxonMobil, Hershey's for that exact... I don't know. It's crazy. Okay, that's not real chocolate, though. (laughs) Also, way to name drop. 
Chocolate products. Right. We work with a lot of big companies. It's not that. Yeah, yeah. Like the okay, you're, you're literally talking about a company that sells oil, aka plastic, to a company that also serves plastic, aka Hershey's chocolate. So like that grain of salt with that one. Let's talk about real chocolate bars and see. Okay, for sure, for sure. For my number five slot, though, I had to sneak in some form of sun chips. And my favorites are the sour cream cheddar and then the French onion sun chips. So I went with the French onion in the number five slot here. Uh, just a classically good chip. Um, you get every single flavor that you want in a chip all on one. And they're just tasty, refreshing, everything that you could potentially want. And uh, it's a great lunchtime snack as well. So got to get French onion sun Not, chips not the garden salsa? Garden salsa are really good, too. That's also tough. You could just do sun chip and just be like, pick your flavor, like whatever you're in the mood for, like because they're they're pretty top tier. I felt like we had to get specific though, because like if we're just doing brands, like Doritos have so many different types. Like people like their ketchup lays, so you could do a bunch of different lays too. So this is a tough one. This might have been our hardest draft that we've ever done. Well, if we did a draft, also even though we didn't really pick the same, like I feel like draft would have just been like a flavor category because you could have gotten so specific that you wouldn't have taken any, but. Um, no, we have, we have a good selection here. I don't hate any of yours other than maybe Funyuns. I'd probably knock down. Uh, definitely. I obviously love all of mine, um, but just, yeah, it's, this is making me want to get a sub and some chips here. Yeah. Good top 10. I'm going to go eat dinner after we finish up here. So, um, but yeah, that's the end of the pod. Anything else we, we missed Jimmy D? I don't think so. Just, uh, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm not clairvoyant, but the Packers, uh, they they not only covered, not only beat the spread, but uh, got the the actual W, which I believe is more important in real football. Yeah, that was a good call by you. All righty. Well, we'll be back on Wednesday. Wednesday's going to be a little bit more of a unconventional pod. We're going to have our friends Sharia and Eddie. Uh, we're going to be breaking down the World Cup. We might have a little bit of news at the top just to be able to like bring anybody up to speed on injuries and such, but it's going to be most mostly specific to soccer this week because that's starting up later this month. So really excited for that one. We know nothing. Um, we're doing research to try and get up to speed on it. And those two are the experts. They know and everything Eddie, you could ever want. Eddie will be our first ever recurring guest, which will be exciting. Dude, that's crazy. Look at us 30, 31 episodes in and still going strong. So thank you all for listening and uh, we'll see you all later this week. Yeah. Have a great week, everybody. Yeah.